0: you're taking notes this morning, you can, you can write this down. Hard hat required. You ever been to a construction zone? Try to walk in without a hard hat. If there was a sign that said hard hat required and you were quickly yelled at and asked to leave. I can tell some of you don't like that title. So I have a second one for you. For those of you who want a second one. Always have two for you. It, it, is, it is this. You can write this down. Oh no, I'm underdressed. You ever been underdressed before? An event, a party, and you walk in and immediately you know. Turn to your neighbor this morning and just ask him, you underdressed this morning? turn to your other neighbor, say, you look a little overdressed this morning, maybe calm it down a little bit. If we've never met before, my name is is Josh, and I have the honor and privilege of serving as the Great Neck Campus pastor here at at Wave Church. And what I love about our church, the church, what I love about our church is, and our, our senior pastors is, is we, we, we preach the truth of the word of God. And that's what we need this morning. Our conversation; these are not my ideas, my my; they're not my opinions. We don't need any of that. We need the truth of the Word of God. Amen. And we're going to look at Ephesians six this morning. And this is a, a letter written by Paul. He's writing it to the Ephesians church. And this letter in particular is not not just for one church and one specific city. This letter is 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 actually meant for many churches. It's a broad letter to the church and and and. We're going to look at the end of Ephesians and Ephesians chapter six, but but the purpose in Paul writing uh, uh, Ephesians is a couple things. One, Paul is teaching the church, and we need to be reminded of this uh, every day: is that salvation is by grace through faith alone. It's one of the reasons Paul is writing this letter to remind the church: hey, hey salvation is by grace through faith alone. That's good news that my salvation, my eternity in heaven, my relationship with God is not by how good I am. On my best day, my best day of my entire life, I fall light years short of the goodness and the perfection and the holiness of my God. My salvation is not by how good I can try to be, but my salvation is because my God sent his son Jesus to die for me and take my place on the cross and raise from the dead, defeating the devil, defeating sin, defeating who I used to be so that I could come before God and be made right. I could be forgiven. That, that is, that's good news. Could I get an amen? It's one of the reasons Paul writes this letter. Another reason he writes this letter is to remind the church that the power of God is over all things. The power of God is over all things, over all rulers, over every demonic force, over the kingdom of darkness, over the devil. The power of God is over all things. Another reason Paul writes this letter is, is, is to speak to the church is he's is, is, is teaching and and encouraging and instilling Christian unity there's division in the church especially between the Jews and Gentiles and there's arguments and conflict over uh, traditions and lifestyles and and who should do what and, and what is essential and what is not essential and Paul is teaching Christian unity we still need this teaching today can I get an amen you can be a Yankees fan and still get into heaven I don't know why need unity. Paul is also writing this letter to teach Christian, Christian conduct. We are all a work in progress, working out our salvation, and Paul is speaking to his followers of Jesus, by the grace of God, we are changed and transformed by the truth of the word of God. Can I get an amen? And Paul speaks to Christian identity. And then at the end of this letter, Paul, he takes a turn. The the tone of this letter changes, and and, and Paul changes the focus from inside of the church to what is gonna happen outside of the church. Paul takes a moment to remind us as followers of Jesus what not may take place, but what will take place as we go out and we be the church. As As we go out and we fulfill the Great Commission, Go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we fulfill the Great Commission, Paul is letting us know and reminding us that there are things that we will face. He does this for a couple reasons. One, I think he does this because sometimes I think as Christians that we think life is going to be easy and comfortable. But that's just not the case. In fact, oftentimes as a Christian, life will become more difficult and more uncomfortable. You ever had a friend, or maybe you've seen this in your own life? The moment you give your life to Jesus, it's like all hell breaks loose because you become a target for the enemy. Secondly, I I, I think Paul writes this is because there is, he's reminding the church that there is a battle taking place. And while the war has been won, anybody thankful that the war has been won? Jesus has won. There is a battle raging and the devil is still scheming. Third reason I believe Paul writes the end of this letter in the way that he does is because too often as as Christians, I've observed and I've seen in my own life that we don't know how to fight. I'm not talking about physically fighting, talking about spiritually fighting. And too often as Christians and as the church, we show up to battle underdressed. We're going to read and then we're going to pray. And then I promise you can stop playing the piano, but please put, keep playing until we pray. Ephesians 6 Paul says this. Church, I'm going to ask you to to stay engaged in this moment. This is the text, the word of God that is leading our conversation today. Ephesians 6 Paul says this, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might." I love that because it reminds me as a Christian, I I do not need to try to strive in my own strength. My own strength can only get me so far, but, but Paul reminds me from the beginning, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, and then Paul says this in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Not some of it. All of the armor of God that you may be able to stand. I love that Paul uses this word multiple times. He's saying, church, so that you may be able to stand. Stand against what? Against the schemes of the devil. Sometimes we don't like to talk about this. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle, this is important, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul is reminding us that the devil is scheming and he is working with his little demons and minions. The kingdom of darkness is at work looking to infiltrate any which way that it can. Verse 13, Paul says this, therefore, it's because of this, take up the whole armor of God that you may able You may be able to, there it is again, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We need the church to be standing. Can I get an amen? Verse 14 says it again. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet. I love shoes. Anybody else love shoes? Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, verse 16, I love this, in all circumstances, not some, not just when you really need God, we need God all the time, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Make no mistake, the enemy is throwing darts at you. Can I get an amen? take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, I love this. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, I love this. This is a good reminder for us as the church. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. I want to make sure as a follower of Jesus, I am not falling asleep to what is going on. Not just in the world, but in the spiritual, world, the spiritual realm around me. And I want to persevere. I want to be here in 20, 30 years, still standing, a part of the, the church that is the hope of the world. Paul says to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Pray for each other. And then Paul says this, I love this, and also for me, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel that has been made known through Jesus, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul is not using a metaphor. Paul is in prison, and he is literally in chains, asking the church to pray for him. And then he says, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Church, that is also... A good reminder of why we need to be praying for our pastors. That they would proclaim the word of God boldly. To reveal the mystery of this gospel as we ought to. Can I get an amen? Why don't we pray? Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit of God, I need you. I know the devil doesn't want me to preach this message. I've felt the resistance this week. But God, I thank you that we stand on your truth today. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is in this room. I thank you that you are aware of every human heart that is present here in person and online. God, you're smiling over this service today. Holy Spirit, I need your grace. I need your power. I need your authority. I need your... Anointing, God, I am aware every day, every week that I attempt to preach your word. I am nothing without you. God, I thank you at the end of this service, people are gonna have the opportunity to surrender their lives to you, to encounter your presence. And God, as we embark on the baseball season, we just stand together and pray for the New York Mets and everybody said, What is that? Somebody say go, Yankees. Security team, find them. Uh, Something new happened in my dad's life this year. New experience. I'm not just talking about the fact that Brooke and I had our third arrow to add to our quiver. Little Palmer was born. I think we have a photo about a month ago. Baby Palmer, there she is. Beautiful little munchkin. You can take that down. I'm going to stare at it the entire morning. I love the privilege it is to be a father. These little gifts from heaven that I'm entrusted to shape and mold and raise as warriors for the kingdom of God. Amen. But that's not the new experience I'm talking about as in my dad life. The new experience, and maybe you've experienced this as a parent or as a father, is this year because Liv started kindergarten, I experienced the parent pickup and drop off line. <laughs> you know, at first it's a little daunting because, you know, you got the third, fourth, and fifth grade parents that are like just professionals, and I feel like the new kid at school trying to figure out the the, the pickup and, and drop off. And, and, and now, you know, we got it down, and, and in the morning I take Liv to school, we have our little process that we go through we get there early enough to have a little bit of time to talk and pray before she goes to school and so we'll get in line and and then we'll we'll park in line and and then you wait for the 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 certain time that the teachers come out and open the doors and so Liv and I we have this time uh before and she gets out of her car seat because we're parked and she gets in the the front seat and, and and we talk and we laugh we listen to music and and then we pray and I remind her how beautiful and amazing she is and we pray and the prayer goes something like this dear Jesus we thank you that Jesus loves Liv so much. Thank you that Liv loves Jesus. We thank you that Liv is so beautiful, so amazing, so smart. She's gonna learn so much today. We're holding hands as we're saying this prayer. I said, God, I thank you that Liv is gonna try extra hard in recess because she's gonna get a full uh, sports scholarship one day to college. She said, Dad, what does that mean? Don't worry, sweetie, just let Dad dad pray. And then I pray this because this is already happening. She's in kindergarten. said, Jesus, I just pray for any stupid boy, I think I'm joking, for any stupid boy that says that they like Liv or they want to be her boyfriend, God, I pray that you would just strike them down and send them to purgatory. Dad, okay, sorry, sweetie, you're right, it's a little heavy. God, I, I just pray for any, any stupid boy that would ever say that they like Liv or want to be her boyfriend, God, I pray that you would just call them to the principal's office and that, and that they would be expelled from school and never to be seen again. In Jesus' name, Amen dad and then we have the process when the teacher comes out they open the door and this is what we do we say we we love you to each other and and I give Liv a kiss and then she gets out of the car and she knows that when she gets out of the car I'm gonna put the window down she's gonna turn around and she's gonna blow dad a kiss and then I blow her a kiss back and then she begins to walk away and 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 I wait till she gets about halfway from the car to the front door and I start pulling forward and I stop and every time I do this every morning it frustrates the teachers because they want everybody to keep moving but I don't care and I put my window down I, I yell out in front of everybody, Liv! She turns around, I love you! She does a little little giggle and I'm gonna keep doing that until I can't. But my favorite part of, of the parent pickup line is, is, is at the end of the day when I go to pick up Liv. And I typically do this on Fridays and, and, and the reason why this has become a favorite part of my day is I get to pick her up from school and see her smile and hear about her day. But there's also, if you get there early enough, you get in line and, and you get about 15 to 20 minutes of peace and serenity. And as parents, we need that. And so that's what I do on, on, on Fridays, unless I'm playing golf, of course. And, and I'll, I'll time it to where I'm, I'm typically like in the middle of the parent pickup line and and this is, this is a time that I've just grown to appreciate, and, and it's just me and, and my music, and, and I'm not going to tell you what music I listen to because you'll judge me, and, and I get about 15, 20 minutes of, of just in the car. This is a time that I have grown to understand that it is, it is of, of quietness and, and peacefulness. I am not expecting conflict or danger in the parent pickup line until last week. I don't know if you ever had that feeling Like when you know something's wrong, like with the the hairs on your arm stick up, like that feeling when you take the trash out at nighttime and the end of the curb and then you let go of the trash can, that feeling of evil lurking. That's the feeling I had. And I I look up from my phone as I was listening to Taylor Swift's latest album, not because I like it, but just to critique it. And I look up in church. I have my iced coffee in my hand, and there is a wasp the size of a small dog lurking across my steering wheel. And if you don't know me, you should know that I don't do bugs, unless I have to. So immediately, I am not proud of the scream that came out of my body. My iced coffee goes flying all over the car. And I don't know if wasps are capable of this, and this is why I'm convinced this boss had a demon in it, because we made eye contact and it hissed at me. And I don't know, I, I, what I do know is that I need to get out of the vehicle as, as fast as possible. And I don't know if you've ever tried to remove your seatbelt in the case of an emergency, but it's so much harder in the case of an emergency just trying to get the seatbelt out. Come on, seatbelt, is supposed to keep me alive, not endanger me. And I finally get the seatbelt off, and church, I tumble out of the car. Now keep in mind, I am in the middle of the parent pickup line. So all the other parents, all the other moms and dads are watching and laughing at me. Also, nobody asked to help me. It's probably a good thing because if they did, I would have been like, the Satan's in my car, come help me. We're the Christians. Say, Josh, is this really that big of a deal? Church, this wasp was so big, it may as well have been a flying stingray. I'm not going to get stung by this evil wasp. And I immediately am just in battle mode. Like I'm ready to go and I'm looking for a weapon so that I can eliminate this wasp. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to find Brooks pepper spray, but that's in the car. I'm not going back in the car. And so I'm trying to see what in my surroundings. I'm like, I'm not going to use a spare tire. It's going to take too long. And so I grab, I kid you not, I grab the license plate. And I step back and I start trying to hit this wasp. And I don't know if it was like fighting me and rejecting the license plate or I was just missing the wasp, but it felt like it was just laughing as I was trying to defeat this, this wasp. And I don't know if you're like me, but when you try to kill a bug, like you jump at it and then jump back, but you like yell the outcome that you're looking for. It's like, die, die. Finally, finally I make contact with this wasp, but it falls to the ground. And because I am a father of three, and my two-year-old son loves superheroes. In front of all the parents, I lifted my leg and I stomped on that wasp and I yelled in the parent pickup line, Hulk smash! <laughs> and I added a couple of extra dramatic stomps so the parents knew that I was finding something dangerous. My point is, is that I was not expecting danger that day. I was not expecting a battle. And because of that, I was unprepared. If I knew that I was facing battle that day with a demon-possessed wasp, I would have wore a Carhartt jacket, steel-toed boots, three bottles of Raid would have been in my car, and I would have brought a flamethrower. I would have been ready. And my concern for the church, and I think Paul's purpose in writing this letter, is too often we forget that there is a battle taking place. It's not a matter of if, it is when, and it is now. And too often as Christians, we are unaware and we are unprepared and we show up underdressed. And in the construction zone of the Christian faith, Paul reminds you and I, hard hats are always required. And the devil is lurking and looking for a Christian casual enough to remove their hard hat. Can I get an amen? Church, it is imperative we understand that there is a spiritual battle taking place. As I preach right now, as I preach the word of God right now, I don't just preach to you, I don't just preach to our online campus, but as I preach right now, There are demons and principalities of darkness watching and listening angry as I declare that their reign of terror and darkness is coming to an end. As they lose their grip and their hold on spirits and minds and of people's hearts that the terror is coming to an end. Can I get an amen? Through the power of God, through the power of the preaching of the word of God, Paul writes to the church. Because it is imperative we understand that the moment, church understand this, the moment that you become a follower of Jesus, you become a target and an enemy to the kingdom of darkness. Oh, there is a battle. And while we fight knowing that the ultimate victory is already won, and we fight from this place of victory against an enemy who is doing everything he can to kill, steal, and destroy you, your family, and the church. Church, Make no mistake, the enemy hates you. He hates your family. He hates your salvation. He hates your life honoring God. And when I understand that it is that kind of enemy that is after me and my family and my children, I play no games. There is nothing casual about this battle. And it is not a physical battle, of fist fighting, but it is in the spirit. And Paul reminds us as the church, we are not a casual social club, but we are the army of God. And the same power that conquered the grave is in you and is in me. And in the context of Paul's perspective, he gives from a soldier, a Roman soldier, And like any military operation, before you go to battle, you want to gain intel of your enemy. I was talking to a friend of mine who serves in our military. I love and respect him and honor him. I just called him yesterday, just asked him about the basic intel report. When you go into an operation, what would be a basic intel report of the enemy? And he started talking to me about different things and, and, and showed me one of the standard intel reports. This is not confidential. You can Google this, find it on the internet. One of the standard intel reports is called SALUTE. It's an acronym. An intel report of, of the enemy. S stands for size. You want to know the size of your enemy. Well, we know the size of our enemy. He's smaller and weaker than our God. A stands for activity. We want, we want to know what the enemy's up to. Well, We know what the activity of our enemy is. The Bible says he's prowling like a lion, seeking who he may devour. We know the schemes of the enemy. L stands for location. We want to know, you want to know where your enemy is. And we know the location of of the enemy, of the devil. We know he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere all the time. We know he has demons. We know he's the ruler of darkness. And we know as we live by faith that oftentimes we will attract resistance. So the location of the enemy does not surprise me. U stands for unit identification. We know his unit. He's on the losing team. T stands for time we know that he is on borrowed time. His reign is almost over and so we also know he's on his last desperation attack against the church. E stands for equipment. You wanna know the weapons the enemy has that you're about to face and we know what the devil's working with. We know these weapons are only effective outside of the context of the grace and presence of God. His weapons are lies, sin, Shame, deception. Church, what I'm trying to say is we already have the intel report of our enemy. From the word of God, we know the, the nature of our enemy. We know he, how he fights. We know he won't fight fair. We know he is always lurking, seeking who he may devour. He is a liar. Yet while we are aware of our enemy, we do not fear him because we know the authority is not in our enemy, but it is in Jesus who has crushed the enemy beneath him. And so we fight for victory. Can I get an Amen. And so I walk in boldness in Christ. I fear God, not the enemy. And while I am aware of the authority that I have in Jesus to rebuke, to defeat, to scare off the enemy, I am also aware without Jesus and without the armor of God, I am susceptible to the enemy's plan of attack. Church, we cannot afford to underestimate the opposition of the enemy and your life. Here's what Paul is trying to say. If you're taking notes, write this down. I would suggest Paul is trying to say this to to the church, to you and I. Without the armor of God, we don't stand a chance. But with the armor of God, the devil doesn't stand a chance. Can I get an amen? Church, I wonder, are you wearing the armor of God? Amen. I love church. In fact, one of the most powerful things we can do as parents is show our kids how to wear the armor of God. Can I get an amen? Are are you wearing the whole armor of God? I love that this phrase that Paul uses to stand and to stand firm. And I pray that we are a church that is standing, and we stand firm, and we hand over a church to the next generation that is far stronger than the one that was handed to us. But Paul reminds us that we can only stand firm if we are wearing, and we put on, and we take on the armor of God. Church, are you wearing the armor of God? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, get nervous saying that word sometimes, shoes, gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. I want to focus on one today because for the sake of time and because I think there is one as Christians that we tend to overlook And we prefer to skim this piece of armor because the other ones we can get more excited about. It's easy to get excited about the shoes of peace. I love shoes. The shield of faith, that makes sense. Sword of the Spirit, who doesn't want that? But but the belt, is the belt really that important? And in the context of Paul's example of a Roman soldier, he would suggest the belt of truth is the most important. See, the belt for a Roman soldier, it held everything together. If the belt was not fastened, then the rest of the armor was ineffective. And Paul says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Church, I pray we understand today that the armor of God, it starts with the belt of truth our Christian walk quickly turns into a stumble if our belt is not fastened and I've noticed a lot of Christians including myself how often I've been here we are falling and stumbling more specifically our spiritual pits are falling down and our armor is ineffective because we have not fastened the belt of truth around us why is this important because as followers of Jesus we stand on the truth of the word of God, and without it, we fall for the lies of the enemy. And in case you have not noticed, the world is very confused. Not only is the world confused, but Christians are confused. And Satan fights with lies, and sometimes his lies sound like the truth. He's been doing it since the beginning of humanity. He did it with Adam and Eve. He tried it with Jesus in in the wilderness. And what did Jesus do in response to the lies of the enemy? He spoke the word of God, the truth of the word of God. Can I get an amen? I would suggest so often we struggle to stand as Christians because we aren't in the word of God. And we are lacking the truth. Lacking the truth of the word of God, and we go into battle with no belt. Can you imagine trying to fight somebody and your pants are too big and you don't have a belt? And you got to fight trying to hold your pants up the whole time? I'd be a pretty ineffective fighter. And I believe the enemy's looking for Christians with no belt. And he knows, because he knows they don't know the truth. And his lies can do damage. He knows he can convince you that God isn't who he says he is. That scripture is an opinion. That your identity is what you say it is instead of what God who created you says it is. That you aren't really saved. That you are a lost cause. That the devil is stronger than you think. But may, may we be a church before our day gets to us. Before the enemy comes with his lies that we start it in the truth of the word of God and every day we fasten the belt of truth around us. Oh, because we know and we understand that we cannot go one day without the truth of the word of God. Without the word of God hidden in our hearts. And when the enemy comes, we call to mind and speak the word of God. The truth of God and we rebuke the enemy. We speak the truth of God over our homes, over our families, over our church, over our city. What is that truth? That my God is greater and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And my God has saved me. And his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And my identity is in Christ Jesus, not what the world says. And I am called and I am saved and I am a son of the king. And every morning I wake up, his mercies are new. And I'm reminded that I am called. And the Holy Spirit of God is in me. And I put on and I take on the armor of God. And while the enemy is waiting for me, I fear no evil. I am not scared the devil is defeated. I am not surprised by the enemy's resistance. I expect it because I'm living by faith. I know the enemy is waging war against the church, against my family, against the purpose that God has for me, but I am ready for battle, and I know the enemy does not stand a chance if I take on the armor of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. We need the truth of the Word of God. And we need it first. As we close, I'm out of time. The band can come on up. Still with me, church? We're almost done. One of the things that I love about our nation is our military. Amen. One of the many things that I love about our military is the special forces community. The greatest of the great elite warriors that for your sake and mine are willing to look evil in the face and deal with it. what at least i know about the special forces community at least my perspective is that if the enemy knew they were coming it would strike fear in the enemy oftentimes the enemy has no idea they're coming or they ever came that's the point but the reputation special forces soldiers have, it invokes fear into the enemy. And if for whatever reason, we were to let the enemy know that they are coming, it's not just a soccer team with paintball guns, but we're sending in the special forces. I would suggest most enemies would surrender or they would flee. And church, please, please don't mistake me, in no way am I going to correlate my life to being a special forces soldier I already told you I could barely kill a wasp with a license plate. Oh, church, I pray in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual realm, that when I take on the armor of God, when I walk into darkness, it puts fear into the enemy. I pray that we are the type of church that takes on the armor of God, the whole armor of God, And it frustrates the devil. In fact, so much so, I pray that we're the type of church when the devil finds out that maybe we're going to plant and start a new location, that the the devil knows he has to send in reinforcements to that city. Because we are a dangerous church for the kingdom of God. I pray that we are that type of church. I pray that I'm the type of community group. I love my community group. Well, the devil is going to do everything he can to keep us from finding out about situations because if he knows, if we find out, we are going to pray. And we take on the whole armor of God and we go to battle. I pray we are that type of church, that type of community of believers. Can I get an amen? I pray that we take on the whole armor of God and we stand firm. The world needs... Christians, and the church to be standing firm. Can I get an amen? Before we close, do you receive the word? Amen.